The record rise in drug overdose deaths is considered a national crisis. According to the CDC, a third of all overdose deaths occurred in five states last year, Texas being one of them. Today, I'm joined by Marty Taylor, president and CEO of 115, an innovative addiction treatment center in Montgomery County, Ohio, once considered the epicenter of the opioid epidemic. Thank you for joining us. Tell us what 115 is. 115 is a nonprofit uh, healthcare ecosystem dedicated to those suffering from substance use disorder. It's a five acre bricks and mortar campus. We have every level of addiction um, service available on one campus. So crisis services, outpatient services, inpatient residential. And then the other thing that is a bit unique is that we have a partnership with Verily. And Verily is a sister company to Google, really helping us think about how we optimize with technology in the addiction space to, again, sort of help folks stay in sustained recovery. Ohio is obviously located right in the heart of the addiction crisis. How are you working at 115 to reverse the course of addiction? Only one in every 10 patients today get into treatment. And of those that do get into treatment, only about 20% of care is care that we know is evidence-based treatment. So that alone says, gosh, we really have to continue to, to chip away at this from, a, from an educational standpoint. There's no need for us to duplicate where there are good services being provided. Let's find where those partnerships um, exist, where we can build those partnerships and fill in the gaps. The other thing that we're doing that I think is sort of foundational and one of our guiding principles is that we always went into this thing, we wanted to build a learning health system. We really want to understand what works with addiction and what doesn't work. And so we are building that body of evidence. We're finding things that we thought would work. And now we're saying, gosh, that isn't what's going to work. Let's change and, and, and adapt to that. So being very, very nimble is part of our process every day. What are the barriers that keep someone from getting treatment for addiction? The number one um, barrier is around shame and stigma. There is so much shame and, and stigma associated with addiction in this country that we have to try to have the conversations and talk about it for the disease that it is. The other is around lack of investment across the board in addiction care and mental health, I'll say more broadly. So I think that has been a big barrier. And then probably the third component is just the fragmentation of our system. We still have these silos of physical care and mental health care. And so until we start to bring those silos together, and stop this fragmentation of care, that continues to be a barrier for us. You have teenagers and the rates of opiate abuse in teenagers is striking. What would you want parents to know about the work that you're doing? I would say, talk to your kids, you know, talk to your kids about what's happening. Start to share some of these statistics. I mean, kids do understand data and start to share with them that only one in 10 are getting treatment. And then I would say, you know, sort of like we do with any sort of sentinel event, if you will, that happens in our hospitals, what is the root cause? What's happening with our kids today? Are they lonely? Are they, are they too coming out of the pandemic and they've been isolated? We should, as parents, think about starting support groups um, around mental health and addiction so that we can learn from one another and we can rely on one another. You know, I, I say all the time when somebody's child has cancer, the neighbors are all showing up with a casserole at the front door. When somebody's child has depression or anxiety or substance use disorder, nobody's probably showing up at the door with a casserole. And so we've got to recognize that 
it's not going away by us not talking about it. And so we need to raise it up and, and just be aware of it. When people ask you, what can they do to help, um, to help with the problem of addiction or to contribute to helping solve this problem in their community, what do you tell them? I would love for this country someday to be screening for substance use disorder, just like we do for colon cancer, breast cancer, for everything else. We are losing more people every year from the opioid epidemic than we lost in the Vietnam War. You know, so I think when you start to put it in the magnitude of how big of a problem it really is and, and talk about it, I think we do need more harm reduction strategies and we need to talk in within our various communities about what those harm reduction strategies uh, look like. And then I think partnerships. We as communities need to come together and really think about solutions for preventing this. So we're seeing media attention on the so-called Frankenstein opioids. What are those? What we know right now in Ohio is there are about nine different derivatives of them. Nitazines seem to be the ones that are popping up most often. But again, they don't show up in a urine drug screen. I mean, it's so hard to even test for these. That Where we're testing for them, unfortunately, is with a coroner is where we're seeing it. And so they are um, synthetic opioids that are 100 to 1,000 times more potent than morphine, for example. And they are primarily a pressed pill. And so when somebody may think that they are buying some sort of a pill on the street, you know, that it's an anti-anxiety or, or something like that, oftentimes it is these uh, pressed pills that are very, very, very dangerous. And they're just popping up all over. So like me, you were a hospital CEO before you assumed this role. What led you from your role at Ohio State, where you were the CEO of the university hospital there, to this current opportunity? If you had asked me five years ago, I thought I would still be at Ohio State. I had just uh, gotten to a point where we were working closely with our board of trustees to build a new university hospital. And an old colleague of ours, uh, Dr. Rob Califf, reached out to me one day, very much out of the blue, and said, gosh, I'm working now with Verily. We are working in the mental health space. But as a healthcare tech company, we really think we need to think about how we're going to help with opioids and, and, and addiction. I remember one day driving home after having dinner with them and saying, how can I not do this? This is something that is a pretty unique opportunity, is so needed here in the state. I transitioned from being a hospital CEO to now uh, running this program here in Ohio, as well as being our executive director of behavioral health broadly at Verily, so doing much more work in the behavioral health space. And honestly, I have not looked back one day. It's really been very gratifying to work with the patients that I work with every day, the, you know, the physicians, the staff, um, and I think we've built something that's pretty unique. Now we just need to figure out how to scale this. Where did the name 115 come from? When the, the vision was really created in 2017, 115 individuals were dying every day in this country from an unintended overdose. Unfortunately, here we are in 2022, and that number is now 194 individuals that we're losing every day. So, you know, we sort of had our namesake and hoped that we were going to, you know, the numbers were going to go um, in the other direction, but still a lot of work to do in this country. What are you learning at 115 that might be useful for us to know as we think about health systems and how we deal with the same problems that you're working with? We all, I think, have an obligation to say we need to pay attention to this and we need to do better. You know, we all need to come together and say it's time that we really focus on this and, and do something radically different to improve the mental health of our country. 
Well, thank you for joining us today and for teaching us about all the great work that's going on at 115 and, and for all you're doing to contribute to solving what is certainly one of America's and the world's most important problems. Thanks, John. Thank you for joining us. Until next episode, stay safe and stay healthy.